Okay. It's so hot for me. I'm so happy. I'm in the all right. Okay, Hebra, welcome back from uh, the Yontas of Tishrei. Okay, so we're now going to start a new section, uh, and that is uh, we've discussed until now uh, the various approaches to waiting between meat and milk. Now we're going to move on to a uh, the, the flip side, where you've eaten milk, you've had cheese, you've had milk mix, and now you want to eat um, meat after having dairy. So in the Svarium, you should find it on page 69. Okay. Is it all working? We've got the same edition. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we we we're now going to um, discuss the difference between uh, waiting after meat um, for milk as opposed to waiting uh, after after milk for meat so the Gemara basically told us we discussed this I'll, I'll, I'll set of shirim that there was there were different customs but basically either you waited one hour or up to three hours or up to six hours between uh, having finished um, meat and then wanting to eat milk after that uh, we discussed that there were two basic approaches as to why you waited what you were worried about there was uh, there was Rashi and there was the Rambam uh, Rashi thought that the taste of the of the meat, the residue, the fat, the fatty residue would linger on in your mouth. And then if you had, if you didn't wait long enough for that to disappear and you ate milk, you'd have a, uh, a kind of problem. And the Rambam was uh, more nervous about actual particles of meat being stuck in your teeth. And that would get mixed up with uh, the milk that you'd be eating. And so um, as a result of that, they both come to the same conclusion that you need to wait a significant amount of time between having uh, between meat and and milk. Now, when we look at the flip side, so we ask ourselves, okay, so what's happening? Rashi told us we have to worry about taste and residue that lingers in your in your mouth that shouldn't get mixed up with the opposite. And the Rambam is worried about meat getting stuck between your teeth. So now, if you had milchiks, what's that going to do for you? In other words, that swara, this idea that you have to worry either about the lingering residue and the taste or the, the, the particles between your teeth, does that happen with mochiks as it does with fleshiks? Or do we say, no, there's no particles between your teeth. And, if, and even if there are, the whole idea behind having particles in your teeth and considering them still to be of significant quality to be called in calling it meat, that might be a chidush as far as meat is concerned, but it may not be a chidush as far as uh, correct as far as milk is concerned. What I mean by that is as follows. We, uh, when we discussed this idea in the Rambam 
that we were worried about particles of meat in your teeth, in your mouth, the question is, when you find that piece of meat that's still, that's been there for a while, what do you consider that? Is that, is that you know, you don't, you don't necessarily want to share that with anybody, right? No one wants to eat it. So maybe you say, listen, that's not considered food. That's already been impacted by the body's acids and the mouth, etc. Is that is that really meat? Or do you say, no, we have a chidush in the Torah that says maybe it is meat. Why? Because when Am Yisrael were complaining about the lack of meat and Baruch Hu brought those quails over, so the Torah describes the fact that Hashem was uh, really upset with Am Yisrael's complaints and that they were, in a sense, given meat, but then forced to eat meat continuously for a long, long time, for a long time. So the, the, the Pasuk says, you know, the basar was or denu bain, you know, the, the, the meat was already in their mouths, already between their teeth. So the fact that the Torah describes this, this concept, that they ate the quails, they had the meat, and then the meat was still considered meat, even though it was between their teeth, such that the Torah has an expression like that. You know, that the basar is or denu bainashinayim. Maybe the Torah is telling us that when you Maybe it's telling us that when you have particles in your teeth, it's still considered um, that, that item that was originally there until a certain amount of time has passed. But you definitely have meat. And, and do you say that applies to everything? What's a dafka gzaira by meat? Maybe that whole idea that the basar is still between their teeth is only about basar, but it's not about mochiks. It's a big hiddush to say that the acid in your mouth hasn't already impacted the, the meat that's there. So again, if you're going to come along and say that, like the Rambam is clear, that the whole idea between waiting after eating meat before you have milk is because you're scared that there's going to be pieces, particles of food, meat still stuck in your teeth. So is that, is that meat still considered meat? So the, so the Rambam would say, yes, still considered meat for a while. Why, why for a while? Because the Torah told us that, that, that that's true. Even though you think differently, the Torah tells you, listen, the basar is still between their teeth. And therefore, and therefore, you know, you have to consider that that meat, that's still considered as meat. But but for how long? How long do you wait until those particles are between your teeth before you say, "Now nah, that used to be meat, now nah, it's uh, mushed up," um, you know, uh, so-called impacted meat by saliva and acid. That's not meat anymore. How long? So we discussed the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch, and the, you know, the majority opinion said, you know, we need six hours. Once six hours are gone. You still can find a particle of meat between your teeth, right? You floss, you'll find out. You know, eat the steak, go for a long time, you'll see, you'll find it. Ah, after six hours, what happens? Okay, after six hours, really, it's not meat. You understand the point that he's making? So now the question is, does the same apply to mochiks? If you're eating mochiks, you know, and you, what, what is, is that a chidush bar, bar meat and not bar milk? Or is it, Ah, you see by meat that it works, so it means everything is like that. That's a question, is how to, uh, you know, ask, ask what do we do with meat uh, when, when meat is finished, when, when milk is finished? What do we do with the milk? Do we see the milk similar to the fleshics? And, and then we have to be concerned or not. So the first thing is finding particles between your teeth, in your mouth still. Is that considered anything if it's milk? Yeah, you, you got the question? Huh? Correct. So whatever you have in your mouth, is it considered something? So the question is, when you find the particle there, yeah, it's an obvious question. It's a good question. Like what? 
Exactly. So if, if you want to say that the Pasuk taught us that meat or any meat means any particles of food that are between your teeth, then if you find mulchiks there, you'd have to wait as well. But if you say, no, the Torah only told us a chidush, it was a novel idea. Hey, the meat has a certain unique nature to it. And that has to be considered still food after, you know, let's say an hour or two or three or up to six, right? But milk, nah, what's mochiks? Mochiks doesn't have the same constituency. This thing dissolves in two minutes, it's gone. You know what I mean? You're full as anything after, you know, mac and cheese, but truth is, an hour later, you're ready to go again. Because the, it doesn't have the same, that's not, doesn't have the same makeup. This would this just to should be clearer, but if you ate flesh of something that wasn't meat, but it was flesh, it's all the same thing, right? No, this it doesn't make flesh. Oh, no, 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 it wouldn't be the same thing, right? it wouldn't be the same thing. So, again, let's just let's just start again from the beginning when we were discussing uh waiting after eating meat, we asked ourselves, Why do we have to wait? What are we scared of? What are we worried about? So Rashi told us the lingering taste. That takes a long time for that residue to disappear. The fatty residue, the taste. You know? And the Rambam told us the particles take a long time to disappear. And the particles are still considered meat. Based on that passage, we've still got particles of meat. Now, do both those reasons apply to mulchiks? So if you're Rashi, a Rashi person, you're going after Rashi's opinion, when you when you eat mochiks, does the residue, the fatty residue, have the same power, potency, and remain in your mouth? You know that you have to be worried about it to the level that you have to be worried about flasics. And if you're a rambam person, you're following the rambam sora, those particles that may remain, you know, do you have to worry about those just as you worried about them when they were flasic? And when the pasuk came along and said that yes, you have to worry about them, maybe that pasuk was. And not a uniform statement about any particle of food left in your mouth. Maybe it was only specific to flashics. You, you, you with me? The, this is once you have the once they've told us what the logic behind the gazera of Chazal is. Take that logic and now apply it to the same to mulchiks. And that, does the same thing happen? What do you what do you feel about that? What does the Gemara say about that? That's our that's our uh, first question. Are you with me? Okay. So. Have a look. I don't know if Deborah's coming back, so you might as well use the. Rashi, what's the reason why? Why did he say that? So the wine would help develop the trees. Yeah, so, so we'll, see, we'll see now that, that um, if, you, if you want to get rid of the taste in your mouth, you know, can you? Like with meat, you, you, can, have, you, can, you, can, you can eat proper meat. You can drink as much wine as you like. Right, it's not going to impact enough on the on the on the meat. Yeah. So this is this is what we're going to have a look at. So follow me here on on uh, on page sixty nine, and let's read through together. So the Gemara, the Gemara in Chulin, same Gemara that we've been discussing, the Gemara in Chulin The Gemara says, "Amar Rav Chizda, maintains Achal Basar." You ate meat. You can't, you can't eat cheese straight after eating meat. You have to wait in between. Gvina, but if you ate cheese, you're allowed to eat meat and you don't have to wait any length of time. Okay? 
So what do you see from here? The Gemara assumes that there is a difference between uh, Mulchiks and Fleishiks, right? There, there is a difference that um, the food that may stuck, be still stuck in your mouth, the cheese, it's not the same as meat, and the lingering taste doesn't either does, it doesn't linger. And therefore, whether you hold like Rashi or like Rambam, in the end of the day, um, the Gemara is quite happy to distinguish between meat and milk. There's a bit of a question related. You might have something later about the different qualities of the cheese. Yeah, we'll get later. We'll get to the, yeah. the nature of, of, the, of the tough cheese, you know, which causes us uh, pause. Yes, absolutely. Tomorrow, they, they not attached. No, they have, they have, they have. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they have lots of. Yeah, so we'll get, we'll get there because obviously it's very, very relevant. So now, so what, what do you do? The fact that the Gemara told us you don't really have to wait a significant amount of time after after eating cheese. So what do you have to do? Do you have to worry about what's in your mouth? Do you have to worry about anything? So yeah, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says Tana Agra. There was a, a rov by the name of Agra. He happened to be the father-in-law of Rabbi Abba. He says over like this. He said, If a person eats, a person can eat um, poultry and and cheese, which means like without too much, without any hassle. Yeah, you, know, you can just go straight on to it. Who Tanila? Who Amarla? He he taught this and he 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 worked with it. Um, and he said like this. He said, you can you can take poultry and you can eat you can you, know, you can have cheese and then you can eat poultry straight after it without doing anything. Um, you don't have to wash hands and you don't have to clean out your mouth. Okay. So the Gemara continues with an anecdote. So Rav Yitzchak, the son of Mesharshia, was visiting Rav Ashi. And they were sitting together to have something to eat. I to like Vina. They brought him a platter of cheese. Achali ate. After the cheese, I to like Bisra. They brought him, they brought him meat. Achal, Rav Ashi ate. And he didn't wash his hands. Amrilei, so Rav Yitzchak said to him, didn't we learn this rule from Agra, Hamod Rav Abba, that stated as follows, that when it came to poultry, that kind of meat, that's okay to go straight from the cheese to that type of meat. But the implication is um, real meat, not poultry. There you'd have to wait. Why didn't you wait? Do you not paskin like you know, Agra's statement. That's what Rav uh, Yitzchak, Rav Meshashia, was asking, was asking over here. Anyway, the, the Gemara continues to discuss this, this issue about what, what one needs to do, um, especially between cheese and proper meat, as opposed to between cheese and, and poultry. Now, poultry, apparently the meat of poultry, um, or the, the, the cheese and the poultry, we'll see exactly why they... There was a leniency there, but the, the strict rule of meat and milk is meat proper and not poultry, even though we rabbinically now adopt meat and milk the same, but yeah. So, you know, bottom line is uh, what, what, what happens? So we have we have opinions from Beitil and Beit Shammai 
where they tell us that um, one can eat between, one can have milk and then go through to, to meat, as long as you get involved in the following way. You do something called mekanayach, and you do something called meidiach. So, um, what, what, what is kinuach and hadacha? Kinuach and hadacha is argued about among the Rishonim, but let's say as follows. One is to, you know, wipe, your, clean out your mouth, and the other is to wash something. Now, does that mean you clear out your mouth from any cheese residue by eating something, and then followed by that, you wash your mouth out too? You've got two things going on to clean out your mouth, right? Or do you have kinuach is cleaning out your mouth, and hadacha is to wash your hands. And this is a whole big debate among the Rishonim, Rashi and Rambam on the one hand, the Ran on the other hand. And in the end, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins that, or the Minag has become to do both, that you try and wash out your mouth and you try and clean out your mouth and you also make sure that there's no residue on your, on your hands. Okay? So, comes along, so we're reading through here um, as follows. Um, so on page 70 so the conclusion of this discussion is that one must wash one's hands when eating meat from an animal at night dafka at night because you can't see what's on your hands and rinse and wipe one's mouth anytime you want to go from cheese uh, to meat and this is how the Shulchan Aruch Paskins okay so it says as follows the Shulchan Aruch is in the in the, on page 70, you see there in the green. So Shukhan Aruch says, Achal Gvina, person who ate cheese. Mutar lechol acharav basar miyad. You can eat meat straight after cheese, straight away. On condition of vilvad, she'ayayin yadav, that you inspect your hands, she'loyayay shum davar me'agvina nidbak bahem. That there's no, nothing of cheese, you know, uh, on your hands. Where you can't see if it's a night time, then you've got to wash them. Now, what else do you have to do? You have to uh, clean out your mouth and 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 wash it. Now, what does kinuach and adacha mean as far as your mouth is concerned? So the kinuach is as follows. Look what the Shukhanar says. You can see it in English there, the second paragraph under the green bar. You're with me? Um, so yeah, kinuachu sheil os pat. A person should chew bread, like and wipe one's mouth with it or with anything he wishes. So you can you can clean out your mouth by eating something else, which would act like sandpaper, and clean your mouth out. So you eat a cracker, no problem. You're eating chips, no problem. You can really use anything to, it's part of obviously, clean out your mouth from milchiks, right? Except for flour, dates, and vegetables. The, the, the flour is too, um, it, it's, it gets clumpy in your mouth. It just, like, it just doesn't go anywhere. So it doesn't really, it doesn't move. It doesn't, you can't swallow, you can't, it doesn't go anywhere. So it doesn't actually act as a, as a, an appropriate uh, cleansing scenario. And, orders, and the vegetables are too weak. 
they don't have enough body in them to actually clean things out. Um, and that, so they don't work. Um, so you can do anything else. So like, let's say the example here is to eat a cracker. Um, and then after that, wash out your mouth with wine, water or wine. A what example? Yeah, a healthier. Yeah, why do you need fried crisps or like? No, I just gave examples. You don't. You don't just have pizza. Rice. Yeah. Rice. Yeah. Rice. Look, rice also gets stuff. It gets healthy. I think something acidic. It, it sort of acts. It does. It can be very neutral. The taste doesn't have to be strong. It's just that it like. Gathers things around, you can move it around your mouth and you can swallow it properly. Flour is a little tough. Anything that works except for these three things. No, it's because it doesn't, apparently, it doesn't have enough body to uh, to clean things out with. So it's not, so it's not in uh, a subjective thing. It's not it's just, no, it's just these three issues that are identified as, as not effective. When, we, when do we apply all of this? When we're talking about eating actual beef, if you want chicken, poultry, after cheese, I not want you don't have to, you don't need wiping or washing one's hands. Um, and in the modern day Sforim, they talk about your healthy option here, brush your teeth. There you go. So after chicken, you don't have to. Well, this is the Shulchan Aruch. We've got to get to the Ramah. Brush, no, brushing teeth is good. So now, the, in, in, instead of eating anything or drinking anything, you just brush your teeth. Okay, now the question is, do you have to swallow what you've got in your mouth there, or you don't have to swallow it? You know, this is a, this is a machlekes, we're pretty lenient here, as far as this goes. Okay, so now this is the, so this is basically the idea. Somebody says to you, what's the din legabe eating fleshik after milchik? You say, you don't have to wait at all, as long as you make sure that you do kinuach and hadacha. Kinuach and mean a form of cleansing out your mouth. Which part? Ah, so if somebody says to you, uh, can you eat uh, meat after milk? Milkics after, uh, fleshics after milkics? Answer is yes. You don't have to wait any time whatsoever. As long as you, um, you clean out your mouth and you can do that by eating and drinking something or and you do hadakha, you wash your you wash your hands to make sure there's no residue of cheese residue. Eating chocolate, you have chocolate on your fingers. You gotta, you gotta wash, you gotta wash. Oh, chocolate gets really stuck to your skin. Yeah. Like it's stuck to everything, yeah, does hadakha mean washing your mouth or what or washing your hands as well? All right, so what's so is it a debate or well, is it or a we we it is a debate, we pass can that you do all of them. 
So in other words, it's, 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 I mean, it's pretty simple or self-explanatory that what you need to do is you need to wash your hands to make sure that there's no residue there and, um, and, and, and wash out and clean out your mouth. Okay, that's, that's what you need to do. It was out of spring and say, yeah. So there must have been an old edition. Ah, oh. oh, really? Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, like what you know, how far does that one go? But to clarify what you're saying, really, the, the way the Rishonim express themselves, it's got nothing to do with digestion. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah, it's about what's yeah. there. Well, even if it's digesting, like the meat and the milk can still come into contact during the digestion. Well, it sounds like we, once the meat gets down into your stomach, the acids over there destroy it completely. So it's not really, you know, the discussion is that. We're trying to distance meat and milk happening in your mouth. But but I think there's an element of digestive discussion here too, because part of the lingering in your mouth is the, you know, if anybody's got reflux, you know. Like it comes, you know, there's it just comes up and down, it's all there. It's you know, you need to milk goes on meat or the other way around. I don't I haven't seen that. That's yeah, it's not bedtime reading. You mean no, 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 no pictures. <laughs> they actually are pictures. Of <laughs> okay, so this is what we're discussing. The dinimia about. Uh, okay, so, um, so so what what do we understand from the Gemara from Naloka from Shulchan Aruch? We understand that the, the easiest way or the easiest example. Uh, of cleaning out your mouth between milk and meat is to do the kinuach is done through eating something. And in those days, it's easy to get your hand your head, hand on a piece of bread. It's probably the most effective thing to do is to eat bread. It cleans out your mouth and then you go straight onto the meat. Yeah, if you, if you, if you want to eat the bread, uh, huh? Presumably, then, if you were eating, you would have washed anyone. Just smacking if you want, yeah, if you want to use the bread for no other purpose but mouthwash, then you don't have to have what do we have? What do we, we sorbet or something? Huh? No. Yeah. So what if you say just using it as mouthwash? Yeah. No, you wouldn't have to wash, you're not eating this. You have whatever you want. You just chew it and throw it out. Yeah. You're not eating. And even if you are eating, it's not like you're eating it for satisfaction of bread. It's just like completely. You don't have. No, you don't need to. 
wouldn't have to wash it. No. They're just tasting. Did I have to make a broth and something or just tasting? Yeah, if you're not if you're not like eating it in order to be satisfied or eating it as part of something. Oh, if you're eating it for a specific purpose, then it doesn't count as eating. Yeah, spitting it out. Spitting it out. No, no, no. Yeah. Even drinking water, so exactly. If you're at someone's house, can you use the wine as a mouthwash? That's what I'll give it to you. That, that guy, I think in the in certain societies, they do that on purpose. They give you wine in between courses. Yeah, or I never thought of it because like they'd always mix the water with the wine. That's because it's too very strong, aren't huh? But either way, I think that's part of you know cleaning your palate, like you say, is part of the whole idea of eating well because you want the other flavor to be to be full and not uh, distorted by what's already in your mouth. Oh, oh what about the on the tongue? Yeah, so the, if there's something there, you have to get rid of it. This is what you're doing by eating something. So you're eating bread, right? or you're eating a cracker, whatever else it is. If you're going to enjoy the cracker, you say, hey, you know what? I don't mind having chips anyway. I like it. So I'm going to eat the chips and I'm going to enjoy it. So I'm going to swallow it. Then you'll make a broccoli. So come on, eat chips and the chips will help me do the quinoa as well. If I'm just going to spit out the stuff, then I don't have to, you know, I don't, you know what I mean? So if you're going to eat bread anyway, the, the bread, the bread is part of the, let's call it the, 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 um, the sorbet in between the two courses. If they're serving you bread in between two courses, the bread's fantastic. You can wash because you like the bread. And it also serves as a quinoa and, uh, you know, to help you go from milk to, from milk to meat. So this, this is, uh, if you like it, if you're going to eat, no, it depends if you're going to eat it, as, if you want to eat it for enjoyment. So listen, I need to do, I need to do, you know, it's, it's uh, I need to do it because I'm going from milk to flashix. So let, let, let's describe it this way. There's a, um, there's a, there's a very interesting midrash that uh, the Yerushalmi also ha maybe has like this too. The, the Midrash says like this. The Midrash says that um, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to, to receive Torah in Shanaim, so the Malachim all upset, right? The Malachim all upset. The Torah is going to come into human hands. It's going to be a balaga. So the Gemara has uh, Akosh Baruch response to the Malachim. Huh? Because Baruch says, what are, you, what are you guys hacking? You're saying that the humans are going to mess it up. I'm just not going to mess it up. You messed it up. You, you, me you messed up even worse than I'm Israel. I'm Israel. Every Kheda kid knows that you have to do, um, that you, you, know, you, you can't have meat and milk together. And when you guys came to visit, Avram Avinu, he served you meat and milk and you violated Basabacha. Because the Torah says that by Kachem Abachalav, Uben now he took the mochiks and then he gave him and he gave flechiks and you had no problem eating. And everyone of Amishal knows you don't have basal b'klal. That's the that's the medrash. So uh, the Chassam Sofer asks on this medrash, I don't understand what, what, what kind of a question is what, what what's going on over here? They never ate milk and meat because the pasuk says he gave them first mochiks, right? And then Uben Abakar, he gave them flashics after the milchiks. That's not Basab Khalab, it's not problem whatsoever. So, what's the Madras driving at? The saying that Hashem was telling them, you guys don't know how to behave. 
So the Chassam Soifer answers like this. He says like this. He says, look, there's a, the Gemara tells us that based on the, on the, the Pasuk describes that, that Sarah started making bread for everybody. Right? She needed, needed flour, needed with a day. Right? She needed the flour. She turned it into lechem and she brought and she was baking bread. Matzahs, bread, whatever it was. There was like bread, right? That's what, that's um that's that's what she was doing. So so um the question is, so what happened to that bread? What happened to the bread? The angels came and they told her all the good news that was going to happen. She's going to have a child, etc. And then they all sat down to eat. And now, and so the Pasuk says there was only mochiks and flashiks, but what happened to the bread that she was baking? Which part? The story of, of, of Avram and Sarah, Sarah trying to have a baby. She can't, she hasn't had a baby for 90 years. The angels come to visit. They tell Sarah that she's going to have a baby. Right. And they and Avram Avinu invites them. Avram Avinu invites them in, and he and he and he starts to feed them. Wait, is that uh? Pashat Vayera. No, Pashat Vayera. And they he invites them in and they eat. Yeah. Pashat Vayera. The three angels come in. Says, "Come in." Lushi Vasiu God says to Sarah. He says. Yeah, he says, he tells Sarah, Lushi Vasiu got, go and go and bake bread. And then Bela Bakar Ratzavram, then he goes to the to the what you call the crawl, whatever you call it. Yeah. You know, and then he says, okay, by then he takes meat, milk, and then he, he prepared, got Tishmael to shech the cows and prepare meat. So he first gave them milk, then he gave them, he gave them meat. Whether they actually ingested it or not. Okay, let's assume they ingested it. So, so where's the bread? Where's the bread? The bread wasn't there, right? She she made the bread. She made the bread, but didn't bring the bread. So Rashi quotes a medrash, right? Huh? It was cake. Whatever it was, it was bread, cake, something. Who got our cakes of bread? <laughs> Do you want a cake and eat it as well? So, 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 uh, so, so, what says, this is what happened. What happened was, is that Sarah started, started baking. But what happened was, she, she went into such a kind of a shock, psychologically, emotionally, because of the news that she was going to have a child at 90 years old, etc. So she became a nidda. Her whole the whole body started to change so she could become pregnant again. So she became a nidda. As a result of that, the dough becomes tamay and she can't serve it. That's why she never served the bread. So she became a nidda. Yeah. And then because she became a nidda, she becomes tamay. And now that she's busy working with the dough, she's a tamaya person. She makes the dough tamay and she didn't want to serve the tamay dough. She couldn't serve the tamay dough to the guests. That's the midrash, right? No, we don't worry about too much. No midrash. I've never heard it either. We're going to finish it off here. Yeah.
Like I said, you, you understand? You understand? This is the Midrash trying to work out what happened to the bread, okay? So, so, the, so the bread never came out, correct? What was the bread? What was the bread baked for? What was the bread baked for? Ah, so you can have in between the multics and the flashics, you have the kinuach, but the kinuach never came out. So, so what they do? They didn't do anything. So the Chassam Soifer says that's what the Midrash means. That not having kinuach between Mulchiks and Fleishiks is tantamount to Basa Bechalav. And that's what the Midrash, that's what Hashem was upset with the angels about. Not that they had real Basa Bechalav, but they're in the kinuach. Then why, why do the angels blame for that? Yeah, because no, the angels should have said to Avram, look, you know, we don't do this, we like, you know. Right. And Avram would have said, well, I better go and check what's going on over here, you know. Maybe you could have brought them wine. Maybe you could have brought them something else, but they never even asked. But Avram was preaching that everything they did for everything. Why not also But maybe it didn't all work. So whatever it is, in the end of the day, he thought they were, he thought they were a regular goyim. Uh -huh. oh, so he, so he you know, you need, you need them to say, listen, We don't assume. We well, you know, why does he? He's, he's just done. Yeah, I mean, normally he would have had a lot of guests, but this time he never. Had, maybe he's feeling bad after the bris, still recovering. Yeah, three of them. And he ate of them. But you understand, Ava. You want to take? But the fact is exactly that. Yeah. In other words, what you see from the way the Chassam Sofer resolves, he thought they're not Jewish. But I they're not Jewish. Nobody else is Jewish in the world. Well, maybe they are. I guess depending on how, how, how successful he's been, you know, in curbing people. There were one of that may have been, he thought they were avoided Zoranics, right? He tells them, listen, you know, if they bow down to the dust on their feet, maybe, you know, come inside, you know, uh, wash your feet. The midrash is to illustrate. Yeah, so some software is using the midrash to actually fine tune our understanding that the din is that between mulkis and flashiks, you need kinuach. And kinuach in those days was bread, or the easiest one was bread. But it, re it really can be everything except for the, except for the flour, dates, and vegetables. Okay, we 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 with us. Okay. Yeah, oh, Levana, are you with us? Sounds like uh, all vegetables. Like raw vegetables are not powerful enough as a as a cleanser. But she's but radish. Yeah, they give you radish. But Levana was saying they give you what was it? They give you ginger. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I, 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 don't, I don't know different. You know, there's a lot of different about what different types of vegetables. But, but um, yeah.
Okay, well, you can even you don't even need that. Maybe you want the bread to have let, to have more coarseness to it. Don't dilute the two of them together. To maybe to absorb. Yeah, to absorb the. Yeah. Gee, for somebody who's like getting finicky about the mouth, you're doing well, yeah, with the bread on the wound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has to put the gross stuff in it, but I just keep this part. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's like one thing you should do is warming up. My family are all doctors, but it, yeah, I, I know no, just face yeah. no. Okay, let's just let's just cover one more detail. Let's cover one more detail over here, and that is as follows. Yeah, that's all. Just to show you that the quinoa and bread was basically a big, you know, a big way of understanding. Okay. Now there's a, there's a, there's a very, yeah, the last comment we're going to make is as follows. The, a little bit of a complication arises out of, uh, of, of, I guess, two sources. And that is the requirement for, yes, an interval of time. To be imposed between mochiks and fleshiks, despite the fact that until this point, we uh, all we have to do is kinuach and hadacha. Uh, and the Khumrah comes as a result on two levels. One is the Marami Rottenberg, one of the Rishonim, Ashkenazi Rishonim. He, he, uh, he heard of people that were machmir and had waited a long time between milk and meat, almost the same as between meat and milk. And he thought, he, he, at first, he thought that they weren't doing the right thing. But then he apparently found himself making a mistake, or he felt that he found mochik particles in his mouth, and he ate, he ate meat, and he was very upset about it. Um, and therefore, he took on a humra to wait between eating milk and and eating um, milk and meat. But the more the more severe, or the more um, uh, you know, the 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 greater source for the humra is a zohar, and yeah, Pete Kabbalah. Zohar tells us as follows, that anybody who eats meat after milk within the same suda, within the same hour, you know, is, uh, is going to face a uh, miratadin. And, you know, the alpi kabbalah, it's dangerous. It's not a good thing to do. So the Zohar comes up with this khumra that says that you should um, make sure to either bench, start the next meal, or wait into the next hour. So half an hour, you know, it's really into the second half of the first hour. So some people already make it on that level. But there's this kumra that gets you to wait, yes, a bit of time between milk and uh, between milk and meat. Well, so this is the question about the, whether it's cheese or... Huh? I have no idea. And then it will cause judgment. In the, in the it world. means that there's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of, yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly what the roast, the image of the roasted kid in the shell of a person for 40 days is. In other words, I don't know what it means other than what it says. Um, but the idea behind it is, is there's some sort of, there's a negative energy here and a miratadin that will follow you if a person eats um, meat 
uh, milk follow, followed by meat um, in the same hour or the same meal. So you've got to get out of that. And this is where some of the chumras sort of came into various people's customs. Now, Alpi Halokha, most people are making, uh, you know, with this. And you don't find people pushing for this to happen. But um, this is, but, but just you should know, if you hear of people who have customs, yes, to wait, then this is why they do it. So comes Tikkun El Shavuot, right? So you start the whole night. Um, Shavuot was always an issue because on the one hand, you're supposed to have meat because it's a yontif. Now they're only supposed to have milk because the minag, based on the various different reasons why you have milk. But the point is, is that you're encouraged on Shavuot to have milk and meat. And the question is how to do it in such a way that's most halakhically appropriate. So some people have flashiks for supper, for dinner, right? It's yontif, you have flashiks for dinner. And then they'll have, they'll come home from shul, you know, whatever, after tikkun lel. This is, what, this is what I do, right? I normally have flashiks for dinner. And then you come home from tikkun lel, you make kiddush, and then you have some mochik. And then that way you've sort of got both. You, got, you, got, you, you, you know, you did, you did service to the mina. So you make kiddush and then you have cheesecake or, or something like that. So for, for me, that's, that's not the, the easiest that I've found. Other people say no, they want to have flash, uh, mochiks and flashiks, like, you know, they're going out for lunch. Want to do both right at the same time, and or they, or they don't want to have meat. So you know, you you know, most most people, most shuls have got this thing to have mochik dinners, right? So maybe because it's just easier, maybe because it's just an opportunity, you know, to uh, to give the people who don't like meat, and I don't know whatever it is, it's it became a minag that you know mochiks, mochiks, mochiks. So for me personally, it drives me up the wall. But 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 what can I do? It, that's that's the minute, right? So again, if you're not having flashics at night and you're coming home in the morning and you're not having flashics for breakfast, because you don't do that. Um, so then you've got to make sure to have flashics during the day. You should have flashics during the day, but many people have a, a totally milchik power of scenario. Yeah, so bottom line is the minahagim became if you want to have both milk and then meat at the same time when you come home from shul. Yeah, so then you've got to try and work out a way to have a separation. So you have mulchiks first, right? You have one set of lechem mishnah, yeah? And then you 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 eat that. And then you have mulchiks. Uh, then you then you batch. Then you have another set of lechem mishnah with a new set of tablecloths, you know? And then you have that as your kinuach in between, you know, you're finishing the ice cream dessert. I was just going to ask you, you know, to get that all within one hour, all within one meal. Yeah. So if you bench, it's not the same meal. So that's what you need to do. So, so people try and bench to try and get out of it. Yeah. So people question the Zohar, is it all or nothing? Is it a combination of everything? But to try and get out of everything, you need to basically say, okay, I want to not have it in the same meal, I'll bench in between. I don't want to have it in the same hour, okay, we'll have a long meal or we'll wait a bit of time. Right? Can I ask how, how authoritative is that Zohar? That because with the other with the other uh, kind of solutions is kind of more intention based where kind of you're you know you're not crossing your teeth like crazy to make sure there's nothing there you just kind of 
but with this, it seems like it's very like it's, it's kind of yeah. So most people, most people don't adopt this. Most people don't adopt it. Like strictly halachically speaking, you find not to adopt the czar. But if you do find people who want to be strict, or if you want, if you see people having a custom to do it, this is why they're doing it. They're being extra careful okay. for uh, you know for the czar. So if somebody, so I'm Yes, because and the because you know, like it's into the rest of the hour. It's kind of like a so, you know, it's not the same hour. Really. So with the Zohar one, does it mean that anyone, not just you, but if anyone at the table doesn't do it properly, then like this negative energy will be released? Yeah, according to the Zohar, if you don't, yeah, no, on, yeah, on the, yeah. No, but it seems like it's just released into the world, not like. No, no, no. It's on the person. Your image of this, you know. Oh, like you have an image of. I, I yeah, this miratadin is on you. Because like uh, this is the whole discussion about how far do do Kabbalistic yeah, concepts permeate the shulchan permeate the Allah. and it's a very interesting discussion because you can see the evolution of it until the until the czar became accepted. You know, as kind of a really authoritative work within the Ashkafic uh, evolution of Israel, there was none of this. The Kabbalah had very little influence. But once the Zohar became published and everybody adopted it, and Asidus took it on, and you know, you had you had much more sensitivity to themes of the Zohar. But the Shulchan Aruch and, and the classic Rishonim don't talk this language. Either either it wasn't either it wasn't prevalent or even if they know about it, it's not in the world of Shas. And this is the question, you know, if they would have known about it, what would they have said? And and how do you balance that? So some people say, look, you know, you, you should really take it seriously. And if if you know of it, then become then then you should be Mahmir. And others say no, it's for it's for people who are really pious, you know, Anshemaisa, Hasidimon and Madraga, you know, and that's who worries about the aspects of the Zohar. And there's the give this give and take since the time the Zohar became accepted into into um, our lexicon of of Swarim, you know, there's always been this interesting debate as to how how much Kabbalah should affect Halacha. So as you know, Hasidim in general, you know, were the champions of the Zohar affecting Halacha, and you know the Shulchan Aruch Harav and others rewrote the Shulchan Aruch with a Kabbalistic bend. You know, the Magan Abraham always even though he came before, he's trying to incorporate Kabbalah into the, and the Shukran Aruch was a Kabbalist. And yet he, 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 didn't, he, didn't, he didn't bring it in too much. Much, much, much later did this, uh, the Kabbalistic ideas come in. But it is a, it's a very interesting discussion to, to work out, you know, how Kabbalah became accepted as a, 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 not only just an authentic system, but the way of doing things. You know, so this is a, it's a very big discussion, but this is what you, what you see here is an example of this, that according to the strict classic halachists, this is not an issue, you know, or if you, if it is an issue, you've got to like look for it. You know, so when the Balea Tosfot are, are telling you that you need to wait one hour, you know, or a separate meal, and they say, well, that's what the Gemara said. The Gemara said you should have a separate meal. How long do you wait between milk, meat and milk, you know, to get out of one meal? What, what, where's that concept from? Maybe the Gemara already has a concept that it's a big Kabbalah, but it didn't state it in that kind of language. You know what I'm saying? So 
it becomes a very interesting, uh, you know, like, especially like uh, sukkahs, for example. It's <clears throat> when you shake your arba minim, there's the halachic way of doing it and there's the Kabbalistic way of doing it. So many of the minhagim are influenced by, by Kabbalah. And it's a matter of like, you know, minhagim develop sensitive to it, halacha. It's, it's quite an interesting, uh, it's a very interesting discussion as to how much. And depends on you and where you're holding within this, uh, you know. Depend on the, the conclusion might depend on your minute. Follow you. The best is I say fine, you know. But in the world of Aloha, you know, how many people go to the sukkah and shake Lulav and Etrog in the sukkah before they go to Shul? You know, if you're doing it, it's a minute of the result. I'll pick Kabbalah, right? If you, you know, if you want, you want a lachic opinion, you've got to go to Shul and shake, make the broker shake there when you're about to do, uh, say hello. Look, it's always it's always good to know the the deeper side of things, and so when eventually you want to have yeah, you gotta, yeah, and then you got to work out how you want to. You have to know where you come from. Going, yeah. you so like I, I always feel, look, if it's not too hasseldic. Okay, what's 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 it cost me to wait half an hour, right? Um, so if I can, you know, why not? But I'm already sorted out because I don't have I'm not having milk kicks on the night before, you know. So I'm having flashics already on Shavuot night for dinner. Yeah, it's like the only way to stop yourself eating Maltesers on Tikunel Shavuot is to have Bultong beforehand. Now, that's the only way I can do that. So I'm already flashic. You know, so for me, it's easy. I come home from shul. I really am not a milky person anyway. So I'm just very happy with the gazite of cheesecake. I'm done. You know, so I do that. And that's my milkies until the nine days. You know? And then I have a flashy lunch. lunch, yeah. If um, I wait 30 minutes, yeah. then do I still need to make sure that I've done Tinoa and Hadaha? No. Then you, once, you, once you've waited that time, right, the time impacts this as well, right? This is the only kinuach and is about if it's like miyad, right? Okay, look, we've run out of time. And then, and, and Levano was just asking because it says about it's like on him, but then it says, and it will cause judgment to be aroused in the world. Judge him, uh, that's a good point, yeah. So, but I think that's too deep for, uh, for me to understand. <laughs> for yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point that you make, yeah, that maybe there's something. Seriously, if he follows the Baha'i, it's not. No, it's not no, it's, it's, no. it's, 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 I guess let's go quickly and we'll finish off with that. Page 72 at the bottom. So the, the Ramah comes along and says, There are those who are strict, eating meat after milk. Um, this is about hard cheese. We've got to get there. Um, he, he quotes the Zohar. Um, then he says, There are those who are make you can't uh, 
protest against somebody who's lenient. You should just actually get do the kinuch and hadacha. But then he writes, um, So he brings the zara back into the into the game, you know. And so he tries to, according to Rama, says you should. However, the Mishnah Baruch doesn't bring it. Um, and so anyway, we we'll go back and and uh, finish up uh, next time. Okay. We're gonna, we have to discuss the hard cheese that you wanted to discuss. So that we'll do, we'll do next week. Just so interesting. Okay. Cool. I had no idea. I had no All right. Idea. Uh, let me just. Very fine. Okay. Uh, good night, Avital. Hope you're well. Um,